Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. You're listening to episode six. Yeah. I kind of like the epiho. Whoever drinks beer, he is quick to sleep. Whoever sleeps long does not sin. Whoever does not sin enters heaven. Thus, let us drink beer. Welcome back to the Go to Hell podcast. You're listening to episode six of the Go to Hell podcast, where strong opinions are weekly held about Christianity, the church, and faith. I'm your host, Tim Curley, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colton Pierce. Colton, how are we doing? Doing well. I'm doing well. We're uh, about a week and a half out from the start of the next school year for me, so I'm getting ready to get all that stuff going. Um which is going to be really interesting uh, this year. Always the beginning of the school year comes with a lot of anxiety, a lot of emotions, um, but it's going to be great. I've uh, been hanging out with the water polo team at Tulare Western High School, and we've been having a great time. So going good so far. How about yourself? Uh, also pretty good. Uh, my business is in the sports media space, so I'm gearing up for the all-encompassing, all consuming uh football season both college and nfl so that's awesome uh we've got the baseball trade bonanza last week uh yesterday and uh all kinds of other crazy stuff going on in sports so there you go well um tonight let's talk about our our uh drinking habits what we are habitually drinking tonight is unofficially sponsored by total eclipse of the nar a west coast ipa from humble sea in collaboration with boss rombler you and i are both familiar with humble sea yes we have our opinions uh, we on have humble mixed sea. yeah we have uh different opinions on that let's just we'll both agree that they're very consistent in they what are they extremely brew. consistent <laughs> Please sponsor us still. The other one, though, uh, yes, and we have uh, other men in our life who also enjoy uh, the uh, the beer. Uh, sorry, they very much like uh, Humble Sea. So that's what we're drinking tonight. Uh, it's actually, it is different than what Humble Sea normally makes. So it's yes, pretty good. Not as consistent tonight. Uh, and then also we have a East of Nelson um, which is a phenomenal beer from uh, a little place up the road in Turlock called uh, Dust Bowl Brewing. Um, if you guys are anywhere near the state of California and you guys are able to get some Dust Bowl Brewing beers, highly, highly recommend. Um, One of our favorites, it is a crown jewel in the middle of the Central Valley, Turlock, in between uh, Modesto <laughs> and Stockton. It's it's not in be- exactly in between. So it's a little right. north of... Uh, Merced. Uh, Merced or Modesto. I don't know. I've driven past it many times. Anyway, it's up north. Uh, they have uh, they make amazing beer at the uh, brewery right off the 99 uh, in Turlock. They have a massive uh, brewery now. They used to be in downtown. They've now moved there. And yeah, we can't say it's a little place anymore. It's you know? massive. 
uh, and the food is phenomenal. And food's phenomenal, and they've always got a huge wide selection of beer. Uh, it's perfect for folks who have different palates. Yeah, I think last time we were there, they, I think I saw 12 IPAs on the venue. I was like, oh my goodness, nobody else is offering this. And then I went down to San Diego, and at least other people were offering it there, too. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, that is what we are drinking this evening. Um, but tonight, the main important thing is that we are closing off our final session on uh, the five reasons why people are leaving the faith. Yeah, so uh, I thought this was going to be the most difficult one to talk about, and it'll get explained later why. Uh, I think last week actually ended up being the most difficult one, and I don't think either one of us did a very. We had a. I would. I we both enjoyed the discussion we had. I don't know that we answered the actual question we were supposed to be answering really well. So maybe we'll uh, kind of do a. There'll be lots of circle backs. Uh, yeah, post. Uh, post-game breakdown and maybe do a different uh, deep dive later. Or we keep encouraging you, you all to send us emails and uh, comments. So maybe you'll send us some good criticisms, observations, whatever, and get a, get us going on some uh, a good discussion about the topic again down the road. This one I think is going to be pretty good. Um, we do have a little bit of a cl- cleanup on aisle five, though, from last week. You got to say for yourself this time. You gotta clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle four. Clean up on aisle five. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle three. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up on aisle seven. Clean up in all the aisles. You told a wonderful story about uh, something you'd done in high school where. You called. You were very definitive about uh, gay marriage and homosexuality, and then were found out that a kid in your class was gay. And oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you have over the years been um, know, haunted by that. Um, and you said at the time you said that you immediately regretted it. That's what you said uh, last week. And then as soon as we were done recording, you said, you said to me, I don't, you, I, I didn't tell the truth. What you meant to say was you, had, you, you, your memory came back. And so what actually happened after you said it? Yeah. So I think this one was from two weeks ago when we were talking about, uh, unloving Christians. Uh, uh all right. No, you're fine. You're fine. I'm just giving clarification. And, um, yeah, and right after, and I think we had planned on doing some cleanup last week, but well, we just totally slipped our minds. So we wanted to talk about it now and just talk about the fact that, yeah, um, uh, yeah, I, I originally, Tim asked me the question, and my initial response was, I was like, oh, no, I felt terrible. Um, and then I was like, no, you know, I don't remember feeling that way. I think I felt justified in that situation. Again, what was different about that that time is again we where we live the environment that um that all of us grew up in was and i think i had talked about it last time was that david this kid in this environment um he was on he was marginalized in that conversation lots of students in the class were definitely talking about the fact that homosexuals get to choose who they are and so that was the conversation that we had. 
Um, and he was very much alone. Not, not a bunch of people were sticking up for a homosexuals in the class. And so I, I didn't feel isolated from the group of anything. I felt like I was saying something that the group just wasn't saying out loud, but they right. were thinking. And so again, I feel terrible years later after being like, Hey, that was completely messed up, completely uncalled for. And none of that stuff needed to be said, all of that kind of stuff. And I feel terrible about it but that's after years of reflecting and sitting there and being like hey that wasn't right Right. even if i felt like that was the right thing to say at the time that that wasn't good um and so yeah i think and i think that was important to our conversation is that a lot of the times us christians we get in those situations and we feel justified because we feel like we have people that have our backs so we can sit there and say mean, hurtful things because we feel like it's justified and other people are agreeing with us. If we get up on a street corner and we have 10 other people around us that all have our backs and they all – we could say whatever we wanted as long as you know they all agree right. or whatever. And so um, it's just um, – you were a verbal crusader. Anybody who's watched the movie about the crusades, they're always talking about defending the faith as if, as if the – as if the faith of Jesus Christ needs to be defended uh, with with the sword. Um, so, you know, that's kind of what you're doing in that context. And so it's it. some of you might be listening thinking, okay, whatever, let's move on to the next topic. But we just I wanted to kind of point it out, not to make you feel bad, but just to say that's actually kind of how most of us feel. And the point, I think, at the end of the podcast that we're trying to make is, we need to just start being better and not having to clean up for ourselves all the time. And right. um, certainly this world needs to learn the importance of forgiveness. Uh, but let's just not run around being moral crusaders all the time and st- stepping on our foot and stepping on the message right. of e- even, you know, even when things are wrong, that doesn't mean we need to go charging out there and, pointing out to somebody um yeah so all right so reasons for leaving the faith unloving god what uh subtitle why does evil and suffering exist right yeah exactly i think and why doesn't god do something about it right and that's why i had always been titling this podcast an unloving god because ultimately I think that's the conclusions that people go to is this is a God who doesn't love us because if he, if he did, then suffering wouldn't exist for us. Right. So So I'm going to start this one off as I have a couple of other podcasts. I'm going to start it off with a provocative, evocative quote. This one's from Richard Dawkins, the world renowned atheist. And he summarizes the secular viewpoint this way. In a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you won't find any rhyme or reason in it, nor any justice. The universe we observe has precisely the properties we should expect. If there is, at bottom, no design, no purpose, no evil, no good, nothing but pitiless indifference. You want me to unpack that? <laughs> I'll, I'll unpack that. I have uh, numerous opinions. So we about will it. circle back to that quote later. Okay. All right. So people are leaving the faith because they can't 
square the fact that they're supposed to believe in this God and God doesn't do anything about suffering that they see. And they can't, yeah, they can't square that. And so it drives them away. And then for other people who were never attracted to the church, that's one of their problems is Christians can't answer. They don't have a satisfying answer to why there's trouble in the world. Um, let's let's lay out some of the let's lay out some of the groundwork, uh, the framework for the discussion in general. A uh, couple different things. One, uh, what is particularly dip this has been a discussion probably for the most of the existence of the church. However, it is heightened today for, I would say, would you agree with that? It's heightened today, this question. I think it's heightened today. I think that, I think that's a good statement to make that it's heightened today. I think that people have always had these questions, uh, but they haven't had the freedom, and I think you know where I'm going with that, to be able to question that kind of thing, right? Correct. Um, so what's different about today? Two things. One, we live in the world where we don't live under a sovereign. We live in, in a world where the individual is the sovereign in the Western world. When we're talking about the world, we're largely talking about the Western world, although democracy has taken over a good portion of the world. So what do I mean by that? We don't live in a world under a king. The king answers to God. He's God's vessel. He can do whatever we want, and we have to live under his rules. Right. And so, I mean, to elaborate on that further as how it looked was you had to accept the fact as according to the previous churches that those were the rules. These are the stances. There was no idea of rebellion or whatever or, um, as we're used to in our current culture. Right. Where it's like if you have this person who is all who is overpowering you and that's the idea that's almost presented and you don't have the right to question it. You don't have the right to, to do. You just have to do what it says to do and not ask any questions. That's the mindset that the church was under for a very long Correct. time. We're not, and so we're not saying this because it's right or wrong. We are laying out the. We are laying out that. We're gonna save that for another podcast. Yeah, we're laying out cultural differences. That's what. That's what this and the next point are. It's it's a cultural difference. We do not live in that world. All right. We live in a world where the individual is sovereign. We get to make decisions in our best interest, and we get to make decisions uh, theoretically over who governs us and what, what gets done. So when you live in that previous world, it's a lot easier to just stomach the idea that, you know, God's God, he can do whatever the hell he wants to do. So we don't live in that world. Uh, we are also in a world of, in an age of immense wealth, and relative safety, that is particularly the case in the West, but that is also the case in the entire world, including the third world. Now is the best time to live in the world, period. Whatever your thoughts are about the amount of wars we're having, uh, global warming, whatever, now is the safest, wealthiest time to live on the planet everywhere. So what's the point? Why does that matter? Well, particularly in the West, where we have things, particularly in the United States, where we have a lot more comfort, I think it raises our sensitivity to evil 
and in particular, uh, uh, bad things happening to people. Suffering. Yeah. Suffering. Well, and that was the whole, and I mean, like, I don't want to get super political, but I mean, that was the whole idea between, you know, why, why is it in 1945 we can put out all this propaganda and it's totally fine and, like, everybody in the United States is hoorah for the United States, but then we get to the Vietnam War and now they're sending out images of soldiers in these really right. crappy conditions. They're saying what war legitimately looks like and now we are a lot more hypersensitive to what is going on in the world, you know, and, right. and, and suffering. And how we fight war. Right. So – Again, we're not. This isn't an argument about right or wrong. It's just laying out the the. We live in the a, parameters. The occur. parameters of the world has changed. We dif, live in different cultural times uh, than the church has really ever lived under, or just humanity. All right. So let's now lay out three views on God, if you believe in God, or maybe your critical view of those who believe in God and why he allows suffering. One is God is all powerful, but he's not good. Right. And so he, he, so this is, he can do anything he wants, but because he's not perfect, uh, from frankly, a human this is, this one's a tricky one because we're judging God from a human perspective, but judging God from our human perspective, he's not good because he could solve all kinds of problems and decides not to. So yeah, he might be omnipotent, but he's not a, a, a perfect, uh, perfect God. Right. Fair. Yeah, no, I think, uh, he is all good, but he allows bad things to happen, which is bad. So therefore he is not, you can't good. claim he's good. You can't claim that he's good. That's one. That's, uh, that's the logic that goes behind. That's it. the logic behind that one. Another one is this one's actually believed in some religious circles, some Christian circles, uh, also Jewish circles. God is good, but he's not all powerful. So he's actually not omnipotent in the way we think. He actually can't solve the, all the problems. Um, he is good and perfect, but he doesn't have the power that we have told ourselves that, uh, that he has. So he can't actually solve the problems we want him to. And then this is a, this is a third one. This one, those are common ones that are brought up under this discussion. This one's a little different, and I have to confess, I'm bringing this in because I heard this on a Christian radio station this week, and it just about made me want to vomit. It's Tim Tebow talking about suffering in the world, and Tebow basically said, "God is perfect. He creates." every single one of us, so that when we have a deformity, that God's done that deformity on purpose for his purpose, and that we're just supposed to rejoice in that and accept it and not call it a disability, but call it a difference and celebrate the difference. I find that some of the most sophomoric theology I've ever heard in my life. I think that that is... Uh, that's a really hard thing. I know that we are currently in a world um, where we do like to celebrate our differences, and that is completely okay. I don't think that even with what Tim is talking about right now and what we're going to talk about today, 
when we look at every single individual that is born on this earth, uh, we think that they are a loved child of God. Um, and, uh, and we believe that they have the potential to be, and it's never about, you know, it's never about those physical things. It's, it's not about, you know, what you're born with or whatever. God is going to love you no matter what. And that's 100% true. That doesn't mean that what we're talking about right now is that when somebody gets born and they have something wrong with them, um, and when I say wrong, I mean like they have this difference, as Tim Tebow claimed it was, um, and that can cause such frustration and anger for these people that are sitting there thinking, I, why am I different from this person? This person gets to go through life. They get to have all of their limbs. They get to have no mental disabilities. They don't have any, you know, any problems whatsoever. They get to do that. But meanwhile, I'm over here, but this is how God wanted to perfectly make me. I can only imagine the type of anger that can cause in those types of people and especially like even parents, right? Like right. we talk about like uh, people like uh, as an educator, like, you know, we occasionally see students with Down syndrome, parents that raise children with Down syndrome. It is so hard for them. They love their children. And that's amazing. Um, but that it, it's again, it's more and more of a struggle, a struggle that I'm sure they're all willing to endure and that kind of stuff but that i can see how that could cause anger and frustration and especially towards god um in that process and especially if somebody's over there saying that oh well this is how god intended it to be this is them in their perfect form and it's and it's like yes they are in the most perfect form that they're ever going to be on this planet right um and some people are able to get surgeries or they're able to get things that happen but they're still able to be loved just as much and God does love them just as much, but it is not. Um, I do not think that this is in my opinion. And again, it's important to go back to that opinion thing. And even when we're talking about Tim Tebow's, what Tim Tebow said is that that is again, an opinion of Tim Tebow. I do not think that that opinion is helpful for a way, a helpful way of looking at God. Yeah, and it was a two-minute radio spot on oh, sure. Caleb, so maybe it was a really bad time to be bringing up that uh, worldview by Tim Tebow, and that's not really what he means, but that's certainly what he said. So, And some of you are probably saying, well, some people do have severe problems, and they're perfectly fine with God making that way. Look, that's we're not saying that's not the case. I, I've seen Nick Vujicic in person. He's a guy who was born with no arms, no legs. He's got one of the most amazing stories you've ever heard. He's one of the most compelling, charismatic, not uh, spiritual, but charismatic speakers from a stage telling his life story about what it's like to live with no arms and no legs. Um, you know, he, he ends his speeches by giving everybody a hug, with which is basically him squeezing his chin and his shoulder on you. It's look, it's phenomenal. And it's wonderful that that guy lives that way. And maybe he's what we should all be aspiring to, but I don't, we don't, neither one of us, I think ascribe to the last one. So you and I would, let's, you and I would, this is probably how we look at the world. It's God, that God's created. And we can then go from there as to answering the question as to why 
it's allowed. God cre- created the world. He is both perfect and omnipotent. Right. He chose. He created a world where he allowed man to make its own decisions. Man decided to rebel, which has created evil, which has created suffering. Right. And God chooses to intervene when he chooses, and he chooses not to intervene when he chooses not to. Which right there is going to, any of the atheists or the skeptics, or that's going to set them off right there. Aha. Uh-huh, right. But that, that, does that define what, that's, that's where you and I are at. That's the scope of, I, I mean, in a really, really tight nutshell. Yeah. So let's crack it open. Okay. Why is there suffering? Yeah, so I think that there's this, I, there's I, a well, lot of answers to this, and a lot of them are different. Yeah, let's go with it. So I think that um, I think that it's phenomenal that we chose this as our last weeks, because I think there's been a couple of topics that we talked about where you can now we can start connecting some of those dots mm, yeah. um, to some of this stuff. So like when I talk to you right now and I say that uh, if you are just listening to this podcast for the first time, I'd highly recommend going back and listening to maybe podcast two or three, where we talk about, you know, science and the Bible and kind of uh, where we stand on unloving Christians and that kind of stuff. Um, I think that initially what's important is, again, when we look at the Adam and Eve story, because that's where uh, people look at that as the foundation to to God's wrath, if you will, um, which could then be his removal of himself from the world. Um, is God specifically chose to give free will? Um, and, he, and so free will was given. And then from Adam's mistake, and so let's go there, even though, again, like I said, it, it may not have been exactly as it's written in Genesis. So if you're sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, screw Adam, for going and eating this fruit, you know, <laughs> because he messed everything up. And so it, it, I think what we try to do is we try to put a blame game on things. Um, it's, right. just, it's, it's part of our human nature that we want someone else to blame other than ourselves. Um, and what you're going to find a lot in scripture, and if you're looking for answers in scriptures, what you're going to find is that actually you should be looking inward. Correct. And so... We can sit there and we can blame Adam, but his decision did not make it to where if you remember the fruit that he ate, and remember, again, I believe that that fruit is extremely symbolic, is the knowledge of good and evil. So you now as a human, through Adam's eating of that fruit, which was a messed up mistake, you now have the ability to know, and it has passed through his bloodline, If again, if you're taking the very literal sense of this message, is that... You, every human after Adam now has the knowledge between good and evil, and yet all of the time we continue to choose evil. We do. Right. And so what happens is through that initial fall of mankind where Adam did the exact same thing that we choose to do on a daily basis, it's not like he didn't know any better. He knew he was not supposed to have it. Through that process of him and Eve, and I keep saying Adam, but you know there were two people involved in this. Uh, Adam's responsible. <laughs> That's right. I take uh, the view Adam's responsible. Eve, he should have told Eve, nope, we were told not to do it. 
which is what which is God's perspective. God doesn't yell at Eve in the account. So for all you literalists out there, he doesn't yell Eve or speak to Eve. He speaks directly to Adam. I told you. I told you. I told you. And what does Adam do? He then sins again. Right. What does he do? He says, that woman you gave me. Right. I know. Let me just chuck this chick under the bus. I'm going to double down, God. <laughs> Not only did I eat it, I'm blaming you for it because you gave me this woman. Right. And so again, again, the, the, there is some sort of fall that happens. And symbolically, we all have the gift to be able to discern between good and evil. And we continue to choose evil on a regular basis. Um, and that's that kind of message that we have received from it. And through that, through that decision to choose evil, God cannot be where evil exists. And so therefore God has had to leave this earth. This earth is no longer this perfect thing that he created where he walked in the garden, where he is now among all the people, the world is broken. And so therefore God can no longer reside in it except for now. This is of course, according to the old Testament, because Jesus then comes, his sacrifice, and now we believe that God resides within us. Right. But through this process, we have what is the broken world. And we hear, and through scriptures, we see that the earth cries out and it groans against this mistake. And it, and there are, and evil is now allowed to run the earth because God is no longer here. And it does. It does. It goes. and But still, at the end of the day, it comes down to humans continually decide to make decisions that hurt other people um, on a regular basis. Now, that being said, and so we have – and so when we talk about like birth deformities and stuff, the idea that I have is that it's a result of this broken world, this world that is broken and that is crying out for its perfect God to come back um, to it. That is my idea. Now, you do also have things like I, uh, Greg Boyd. I talked about him the first week, I think. Greg Boyd used as part of this whole conversation when he talked about this with his church, he talked about how there's like a, there's like a bug. And I don't want to like, I don't, I don't want to just start blaming bugs, but there's a bug that people can get swimming in like lake water and it enters in through their eyeball and then it goes in and it causes them permanent blindness. And it's a parasite that just, and that's its sole purpose. That's, that's it. Mm. It has no positive. Like if you guys think about it, flies, what good do flies do the world? You know, like, uh, mosquitoes, what good are they? You know, there, there are these types of questions where it's like, if, why is this creature here? Right. If its sole purpose is not to bring us joy or anything, it's only to bring suffering to other animals and that kind of stuff. How do we reconcile that? Again, we turn to the broken world is the analogy for that. But here's also something that I think is worth noting before I pass it over to you. And you can elaborate on this too, is we may not have answers that you enjoy. We just talked about the fact that there are there are three answers that somebody else gave that we don't care for. And if this is something that you cannot reconcile, then maybe and this is for those of you that are on the fence about believing or whatever, maybe you need to step away. You need to sit there and figure out 
what it is and iron out those thoughts on this because this is something that's going to be a reoccurring topic. And it's only going to get worse, I think, as you talked about with this new climate and that kind of stuff. If this is something that takes some time, like evaluate, spend some time reading the word um, and see what is it that's out there? Why, why does this happen? And I would encourage you to do that. Yeah. Uh, two things. Um, I would say there's two there's two points of view. I don't mean like interpretations. I, I, I think the Bible has two answers to the suffering question. And I'll do the second one first, which second in my head. And it's the easier one, particularly for us Christians. And if you're, if you don't believe in Jesus, then this is not going to make sense to you. But the Christian view of suffering is Jesus died on the cross for us. Now we've been given. Now it's our time to, as followers, to pick up the cross and suffer as we try to make the world his kingdom because he died on the cross. We're basically mimicking what Christ did for us. And there's scripture all throughout. Peter talks about it. Paul talks about it. Jesus talks about it. How if you're going to follow him, this is no, this is not going to, you're not going to get rich from it. It's not going to, all your ailments aren't going to be, um, taken away you're not going to be guaranteed the perfect marriage or the t none of that's quote-unquote guaranteed you're going to have travails again a lot of you probably hear that and say well then what's the point isn't that the whole point well and i want to before you get going i do also want to say that don't also equate every single thing as some some trial that Jesus or God is putting on you is, in my opinion, I mean, like, you could disagree. No, I agree with that. You That's being good. born with a deformity or some issue or you experience something is not God purposefully sitting there and putting a trial upon you and saying, like, well, let's see if you – let's see if you stay loyal right? and that kind of stuff, like – I love the book of Job, but I think also Job well, throws that's people where for a loop. That's where I'm well, going yeah, after sorry. that. Um, to, so to wrap that up, that's a traditional Christian view. Pascal said it really well. Uh, he said, he said, suffering is the natural state of a Christian. Um, again, if you're, if you're listening to this in the United States, um, with the free world. Free world, but the United States even in particular, we don't have much suffering, and a lot of the suffering we have we bring upon ourselves because of topics we've already discussed in previous episodes. So um, this one's a little harder for us because we don't live in suffering. Um, and I think one thing that to be to be mentioned is you know, some a lot of I think a lot of that suffering that's talked about in the New Testament. To your point, it's not necessarily physical. It's because we are standing up for the faith. We're doing it. We are doing it in the correct way. We are. We are turning the other cheek. We are trying to love people who don't love us. We're being spit at, and 
we're we're in an in an increasingly unloving world. We are trying to be loving, right. and we're being persecuted. That's what that looks like. It doesn't mean I'm being persecuted because I stood up in class one day and told everybody homosexuality is bad, and so is gay marriage, and and now everyone. In this case, you, you know, you were you were liked, but in other instances, well, you're a terrible, you know, you're a jerk, you're a homophobe. Uh, I don't know. I'm not sure I'd qualify that. That's not the necessary. You kind of brought that upon yourself. If you stood up and said in that class and said, I know we're all kind of in the Bible Belt here, folks, and I... I believe what the Bible says, and homosexuality isn't what God's purpose is for man and wo- woman, but I love this guy, and he's clearly, clearly struggling with it, and then you got yelled at? That's that's suffering in a Christ-like manner. Right, right. Okay, so the second, the second view, or the second point of the Bible, and this one does not—people aren't going to like this— Oh, wow. You have to take on a topic that people won't like. People aren't going to like this, but it's what you're going to. The Bible, at the end of the day, is not trying to answer a question. I don't think it actually is trying to answer the question as to why they're suffering. No, absolutely not. When God, when Job is suffering, he's never told why. Never told why. And even then, what does God say to him when... Well, what is what does God tell his friends when they all keep trying to come up with an answer? He doesn't like that. Well, right, and remember what we have this whole idea. It's almost kind of like uh, you you have this whole kind of karma situation, right? That that happens with his friends and even his his wife, right? They're all coming up to Job and they're like, "You must have done something." Like that's how this works. That was a Jewish view, even in the day of Jesus's time, right? People who had People who had uh, leprosy, it was assumed you had had leprosy. It's because you there must be some profound sin in your life, and that's why you're unclean. That's why you're, un, you're unclean. You're unclean because you did something to bring it upon yourself. Right, or some, or you, grant, you had it grandfathered in, right? Like that was also part of it where it's like if you were born with these deformities or you were born with this disease, it was because, well, your father or yeah. your, your grandmother sins. And I mean like if we're being honest – that's the idea that a lot of people use with Adam is there's this idea that Adam grandfathered in all of our sins or all of this brokenness and this hurt and that kind of stuff. Here's where, again, what I was talking about earlier, where I said, when I said about this whole idea of us living in a broken world is that Adam is not to blame I mean, like, if you read scriptures, you can blame him, and that's the whole kind of thing. We have the same free will every single day, and we choose to break the world every single day. We are the ones to blame. It, that is who we are as humans, and so that's where it's important to do is that you don't sit there and you point the finger and sit there and say, this is the, the person that caused all of this pain and suffering to happen, but at some point, this is the world has been broken, and God is not able to be here anymore. So, right. Keep going. Well, yeah, to put a point on that, the Bible says in 
plenty of instances, and if, if you're listening to this and you just have no, there's nowhere inside that you have this emotional or intellectual itch that suggests there's a divine, you know, friend, I don't know what to tell you, but the Bible makes it clear. God's perspective is I've done quite enough to show that I exist. Again, tying this, tying this back to the science episode, uh, creating this infinite world out of nothing science doesn't have an answer to and every time it starts to do it the answers scientifically start making those who are as much atheist as they are scientists get a little squishy because they're like well this this doesn't really add up because um so so we get up every day and the world we live in should be enough like physically even with all of its deformities and problems, the, like the physical nature of the world should be enough to say, somebody created me, and you know, if I created, if I created me, I'd probably want a little bit of gratitude and love and honor and respect in return. It's not asking for a lot. So anyway, the Bible just—I'm sorry. At the end of the day, in some ways. Particularly in Job, God's answer is kind of similar to what Dawkins said. It's just God saying it. Uh, it's random. It can be brutal. It's not just. That's the world you live in. Right. This is the world. And, and I mean, and yeah, and this is why what I said earlier is you're going to have to come to terms with it. You're either going to have to accept it or you're going to have to reject it. Well, going... So circling this back to how we frame the discussion, that is a lot easier to accept, not because you're dumb, not because you haven't thought things through, not because you can't think for yourself, but when you live in a culture of there's a divine, there, there, there's a sovereign, he's above all of, all of us, he makes those decisions. By the way, we leave out the fact that I think a lot of people were very happy not to have to make those decisions. <laughs> right. We live in a world where people are power hungry because we they can diffuse power. But when it's one guy, yeah, I mean, you know, Henry, I'm sure Henry VIII loved having power. But there is something to say that, that said about uh, heavy is the head that wears the crown. So. Um, I prefer uh, Spider-Man's uh, with great great response or with great power comes great of responsibility. Course. Of course. Um, anyway, when you live when you live in that kind of, it's easy to say who am I to who am I to criticize or or challenge God? He made the world, right? And what that's but we that is anathema to the world we live in. And I mean, like in the twenty first century. And if you read Job and you read God's response, like please don't think that you can't question. God, because no, like, if you that's read, not the only book. Habakkuk is another book where Habakkuk is not happy about decisions God's made and goes on a, a rant about it. And then God basically says, are you done? Yeah, God claps back. Like, and don't get me says, wrong. <laughs> uh, let me remind you, I am the creator of the world. I did this and this and this and this. And, yeah, and he's like, where were you? Like, I'm like, who are you? Oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Go to hell. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
was like, God getting some of his anger out there. Okay. Uh, and then if you know the story again of Job, he goes on to bless Job after that whole situation and that kind of stuff. And also what's, and that message again is kind of one of those, um, one of those situations where it's like, what are we supposed to take from this? And you could sit there and you could say, all right, well, God doesn't care. He does whatever the heck he wants. And um, he just lets, you know, the temp, uh, what, what's the name? It's the tempter is the name of the guy in, uh, in Job, I believe. Yeah. It doesn't ever say the devil. A lot of people think that it's the devil, which that's fine. But it is the tempter who comes in and asks if he can go and mess with Job. And Job, you know, uh, has that whole situation. But what's the message that we should take from it? And and I think you you hit well the one more, on the head. one more thing about suffering and well yeah why we don't know. There is an element to, and this goes back to you know whether or not you think God allows it because he's just lousy or whatever. I do think that there is a God certainly does allow suffering to happen for his purpose. Um, Jesus Christ, case in point. Yes. Um, and we have to, again, this is for those who believe, and if you, if you just find this distasteful, I don't, at some point. <laughs> We made it clear in the last episode we're not trying to dumb down or repackage Christianity to make it more enticing to people. I think we're trying to reframe some things that have gotten in the way of the message that are drawing people away. But at the end of the day, if you don't believe God using suffering in his infinite wisdom for some purpose that might not manifest itself for months, years, decades, centuries, millennia, then I guess this isn't for you. Yeah, and I mean, and, and something that's to be said about that is that that doesn't mean that... Here's the thing. is I, like, And here's where we get frustrated with a couple of these situations is let's, let's use something that's, that's personal, right? There's something where it happened to somebody that's close to you, right? Let's not even say that they're born with it. Let's say that something, uh, somebody made a decision. Now that person has to live with the mistakes that somebody else made as far as sinful mistakes that this made, right? So like, for example, and we're going to get, you ready? Yeah. So we know somebody um, that a couple years ago, um, her and her fiance at the time were kidnapped you know where I'm going with this? And uh, the guy supposedly had a gun, takes it, you know, whatever, and eventually kicks him out of the car and takes off with him and his – or he takes off with just him, himself, and uh, his fiance off into the distance. He runs, he goes, calls the cops, tries to get somebody to, to get out there, um, start looking for her. The hours go by. And eventually the cops are able to locate her. She is alive. 
Um, she was hiding in a tree. Um, but that didn't mean that the guy didn't try seven, seven different times to rape her. And so she now has to live through this life with that on her conscience something that she didn't choose something that she had no control over whatsoever and and how do you come back from that do you sit there and say that well this is what god uh planned for you right i don't think god wanted that for her at all oh my goodness please don't ever say that right like that's literally like the same thing as people saying that god wanted 9-11 to happen for his greater purpose and message right People ask me all the time, oh, I just don't understand why God wouldn't protect our nation and he would allow, you know, these uh, radical Muslims on 2001 to kill 3,000 of our citizens and why God doesn't protect us. Surely God doesn't use pagans to bring judgment upon his own people, does he? Just read the Bible. God will not allow sin to go unpunished and he certainly won't allow the uh, sacrifice of children to go unpunished. No, absolutely not. If you believe in a God like if you if if there are those of you out there and I don't mind drawing a line in the sand right now. If there are those of you that think that 9/11 or something like this happened as a part of God's plan design I I wouldn't want to believe in that God either. Yeah, and I might have said that a couple minutes ago and if I did I I was I misspoke. <laughs> I think what I meant to say was he uses suffering. Oh, no, 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 no. I think that, no, I think that you're absolutely correct. And the reason but why I might is, have said that he, he, I might have, when I said, when I, how I phrased it aloud it, I might have made it more in a way like, like he, like he used it for his purpose. Like, in, like you know what I'm getting at? I do know. And that's why I didn't want. There's a fine line between. It's a very fine line. But folks, I, you know, I think it's we got to understand what the fine line is. Right. And so I don't want to sit there and say, one, the thing that happened. Absolutely not what God wanted for you. That evil that happened to you, that evil that happened on this earth, not what God wanted. That is evil that happened. And you can continually see this throughout the Genesis narrative. And actually the best story for this is actually the final story of Genesis where you have the story of the Technicolor coat and Joseph. Yeah. And it's God can continue to take the evil that the world offers every single day and make something good out of it. And continually, and it's so awesome. Now, that person that we're talking about, thank goodness, like she, she could have ended her life. She, like the, the shame that she felt that there could have been issues. The guy that, the guy went to jail, right? He was arrested, that kind of stuff. Um, he's going to be there for a very long time. And there's there's things to be said about that, but also at this, but now we're able to see her. She now is expecting a second child. Right. Right, which is so cool. And they have their they have their first kid and she is a loving mother and that kind of stuff and, and she goes through fear and anxiety and pain every single day from that situation. But yet there are still good things that are able to happen in this world um 
outside of the pain and suffering that has happened that was not a part of God's intentional will. Right. Um, and I think that that is what you were getting at, is where you're saying— That's what that's, I'm getting at, and I'm getting at that the, the, the to, to God uses the suffering in that situation not for what so many of us to do is say, oh, let's get together and pray, or let's say or tell the person— well, you know, well, God will use this to his glory. He doesn't need us spouting platitudes about what he's going to do. What he needs us to do is be. Right, and gather be around Be him and gather around them. And in some situations, that means saying the right thing. And in the most, a lot of situations, the majority of the time, it's not saying anything but just <laughs> being there. It's not saying this is all a part of God's this plan. This is all of God's plan. That's Next time, not what this actually, means. Uh, so Colton's going to give permission. Uh, any, the next time somebody does that, just go ahead and sock them right in the mouth. <laughs> or tell them to go to hell. Yeah, tell them the to go to hell. The guys on the go to hell podcast. Golly. I could say, go to hell. How is that helpful? Like, I... Well, let's be fair. To be fair. To be fair. To be fair. There's two instances. Sometimes it's because somebody really means it and it's inappropriate to say. And sometimes it's kind of like saying, I have nothing else to say. I'm sorry. Yes. And if you catch the person who's grieving in the wrong situation, they'll say, what the hell do you have to be sorry for? You didn't do this to me. And you're thinking, I know I don't. And it's because That's no one really That's knows fair. what to say, which is why I said, don't we need to start them. learning how to just say nothing and just say, just look at them and give them a hug or just look at them and say, I love you. There is literally nothing you're going to say ever that's going to make all that go away. So just say nothing at all. As the song says, just say nothing at all. Right. You don't even need to say like, I know how you feel. No. <laughs> like that's just another one. one of those. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I think I know how you feel. I empathize. You know, very few of us actually know how someone has gone through that and knows how they're feeling. Right. And even then, in the moment, that's not when that is said. That's said over after months of some reconciliation and in therapy or whatever. So, uh, I did want to take a second and just say that, um, <laughs> this, this beer is phenomenal. Uh, the, the New Zealand style IPA, the East of Nelson from Dust Bowl is just so good. So tasty. Uh, we're doing a slight commercial break as Tim grabs his beer, but it, no, I'm being hundred percent honest. It's delicious. It is one of the best ever and it's even better, uh, on draft at the brewery. Oh, phenomenal. Please, with, uh, please sponsor us. Peanut butter with a peanut butter and jelly burger. No, yes. no, it's the buffalo dip sandwich, the spicy chicken sandwich. That also thing is phenomenal. delicious. Uh, fish and chips are great. Uh, the uh, fish, it's all great. It's the fish, all great. The fish tacos. The, um, pe the peanut butter and jelly burger is not what it sounds like. It's actually pretty good. I mean, it's exactly what it sounds like. 
like there's peanut butter and there's it jelly. It is on there, but it doesn't taste <laughs> like peanut butter and jelly sandwich. No, no, no. It's better than it sounds, is I guess what we would say. Uh, our our buddy Nolan is a big pulled pork guy. Oh yeah, <laughs> so he's a big big uh, advocate for their pulled pork sandwich there. All right, that was a good little moment of levity. Yeah, um, let us. Uh, that was a, a really hard, serious conversation there for a minute. So, have we answered? Have we answered the criticism? sufficiently because we're not done we ha- we have an, another topic to go go on to but have, have we the criticism is hard because at the end of the day is that i mean i have to admit that there are some parts of the criticism that you have to sit there and say yeah like yeah suffering does exist in this world um and yes our god has chosen to allow it out of his infinite love he has said that free will reigns over it all. He wants us to be able to freely choose what we do. And through that process... All right, let's deal with that real quick. The world was broken. And therefore, we live in a broken world. Sorry, go. Well, you know, why, did God, uh, uh, why did God create a world where we're allowed... Free will. Free will. And do we have free will in heaven? Oh. And if we and if we and That's if we next don't, week's topic. And if we don't, then why did he do it here? Because the 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 Christian answer is no, we don't have free will in heaven. And why don't we? Because God, the reason why we don't have free will here, so is right, is so we can freely love God. Golly, he knows you're it's. Gonna... <laughs> All right, we'll deal with that later. Next we'll deal with that later. Um, Let's not go the heaven route yet. That's next week. Next week for all of you, we're we're also this is another commercial break. Uh, next week for podcast seven, we're going to be talking about uh, heaven and hell. We'll either be talking about heaven and hell, or we're going to have a surprise guest. Oh, we'll okay. Oh, is it next week? Oh, okay. might be well, next maybe, week. It might be next but week. But we are okay. look. We're heaven and hell is right around the corner. Taking off, folks. We're we're getting. Uh, we've got a couple surprise guests. Uh, lined up for the show to discuss a few things as well so next we're, within the next week or two we're gonna have a guest come in and talk about a interesting topic that's come up within our um men's cigar beer well, well, it's, it's within our group you know what this is a good our manly group we're drawing we're at almost the one hour mark but i want to bring this up because we talked about uh we talked about church well, we still have to answer the question about their free will. You're just I know. Gonna leave we'll get, we'll get, that. We'll oh, get okay. there in a second, but I wanted to bring this up. I'm, I meant to bring this up in our cleaning up on AH5, although this isn't really a cleanup. We talked about get involved in a small group for church, I think, on the last podcast. You know what the best small groups are? Ones that don't happen at church. Yeah. Colton and I are part of a group. That is multi generational. It goes from about from the late twenties. There's several of you that are Colton, Colton's age group. Several of you that are late twenties. But There's when a we couple started, of us. I mean, what we were like twenty four. Yeah, uh, a couple in their mid thirties. Uh, there's myself and another hovering around the fifty, and then there's uh, one gentleman who's sixty. So we've got this wide variety of group of men. Sometimes the women are part of the group, the wives, and sometimes they're not. But it is a 
it's like a small group. Now, we're not sitting around talking theology all the time. We're not sitting around talking theology most of the time. But just so we're clear, that's okay for other small groups as well. But that's perfectly fine for small groups. That's the point. We're getting to know each other. And when the moment arises, when we, someone needs to ask a question, unburden themselves, whatever, the trust tree, as they say in uh, old school, is there. And we can have a good discussion about it. And those discussions happen over beers or cigars or bourbon or whatever. Um, and when our celebrity guest comes on, we'll... Uh... Yeah, when the, I bring this, this got brought up because the guest who's going to come on is part of that group. And the topic we're going to discuss happened literally over the probably second or third round of beer at our local brewery. Right. On a Friday evening. Um, so, all right. Uh, what was the free will. can of worm that I brought up? Free will. Oh, you asked boy. me to uh, to tell you why did God, and I, th- I you have your own answer. You don't need me to tell you. Uh, why God created a world with free will. I think that... I think that this is actually... I, I can't even... You know what? I... I think that this is actually a question best answered by you. I'll give you a little snippet as to why I think, and then I think you should take it from there. And the thing is, is I, I and the reason why I say it is because I've never been a parent. Um, and when we look at our relationship with, with God, um, you know, God cons- consistently is referencing himself as this father, this father, this father, this father, um, or, Occasionally, we are his bride. Um, and I think about the relationships that we have in our life. Um, and I think about our relationships that we have um, is they're all freely chosen, and those are beautiful relationships. Um, there is so much more love. Um, and that's why, it, honestly, I think it's, it's phenomenal even for people that this is something that's extremely important when when we go to weddings and we have this huge celebration and and we look at this this holy matrimony that takes place especially now in the world that we live in where you're no longer being arranged into these marriages this is somebody that you have freely chosen this is the first person that you are having enter legally into your family um and you have freely chosen them and they have freely chosen you. Right. And that's phenomenal. That's something that just doesn't exist. And that's why it's such a happy moment. It's joyous. You know, this is huge. And God wants that relationship with us. Right. And so for those of you that are atheists and the, for those of you that are Christians, you have the choice. Don't ever think that you don't have the choice to choose God. God doesn't want you to think that you don't have a choice with him. If you're somebody that's been raised in the church and you feel like you've never had a choice, you've never been able to make a decision to choose God or anything like that, that's a lie. That's not what God wants from you. He wants you to freely choose him. And so that's what I would say for mine. But again, you'd be able to speak more to the parent analogy than I would be able to. Uh, The parent analogy definitely works. You know, the, the people 
not only the children, you know, your your children, as a parent with uh, kids that are now in their 20s, I think a lot of, I think, I don't know, maybe I'm, I don't know what a lot of parents think. I'm just, I'll just speak by myself. The relationship I have with my, with my adult children is much more fulfilling than it is with the, the younger, with the small child teenager. And not because I'm not having to, um, not because of the hardships that come with parenting, it's just because they're now adults. They they are making their own choices, and this is now blossomed into a friendship where, you know, it's not just like, well, you're my dad, you're my mom. You know, I have to do this. Um, turns out they still like me. That's good. <laughs> um, and I would also say biblically, there's a lot of. I would say the Bible kind of talks, points to that. Paul has a chapter in Romans. It's one of my favorite chapters. And he basically is talking about how um, the new covenant with Jesus is not any different than the old covenant. And what his point is, yeah, we're saved because Jesus died on the cross. But what what's meant to happen is we have this relationship with Jesus. That's not any different than the relationship that Abraham well, Adam had with God, with what Abraham had with God, with what Enoch had with God, which was so apparently so amazing that God just said, I'm just going to take you up. And, and we're told he just, that's it. He just disappeared. That's right. Um, or even Elisha. Elisha, Moses, David, the man after God's own heart. These are people who sinned. They, 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 you know, and a lot, and they thought they knew better, but they had relationship. They had relationship outside of whatever the covenant was, whatever, whatever the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses. Outside of these rules, the rules aren't. Paul's point is the rules that we're following as Jew weren't what was has isn't what's been saving us. It's not the sacrifice at the temple. It's the relationship we enter into. Every day with God. Right. That's what saves us. And Abraham had such a relationship that God chose him and said, you know what? You're going to be the guy that I kind of point everybody to in, in, in this world as what how this thing's supposed to work. Right. And, again, all these other people in the Bible. And so, um, yeah, it's it's – What's different for Christian from Christianity? Christian Christianity is different than the other religions. Is we we do believe God is omnipotent. We believe He's all powerful. There are descriptions of Him in the Bible, including in the New Testament in Revelation, of Him being an angry, vengeful God. But at the end of the day, He is a loving, relational God who's. The purpose for us being created wasn't to sit back and go, look at these dumb asses and what they're doing. It was to be in relationship with him. Right. You could call him lonely. I don't know. Probably doesn't actually apply. But, you know, human words at at some point fail who God is and what 
I mean, it's tautological, but we, you know, God is God is. We can't fully describe him. So right. Um, all right. I think we've knocked it out of the park on the Christian viewpoint. Um, we've done. We 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 try to do a point fingers at ourselves first. Maybe either point out reasons we're failing as Christians to push people away from the faith. I think in this one, in this one, we're trying more to, you know, th- maybe there's some instances where we we say and do some things that get in the way, but it's more um, explain the the Christian viewpoint. Um, and then we we've spent a couple episodes also kind of pointing fingers back at the non-believer side if you're if you're having struggles and to say you know here's some food for thought for you. And hopefully it's always done in a loving way. So here's my food for thought for those of you who don't think we've answered any questions to your satisfaction. And my question is, what else, what does answer the question if Jesus doesn't? What about atheism or just secularism answers those questions. What does it about Richard Dawkins' world answers that question? Is it just because do you feel more comfortable because you because of the nihilistic randomness of it, and that makes you f- sleep better at night? That you're just at the will of nature. And there's nothing that can be done about it other than what man can do to harness it. I think that what's hard with that question is, and even for those of you that are out there, is we do have to understand both both sides have biases, right? Like we talked we talked about, hey, this is what these are some of the weaknesses and what we're talking about. Um, that there are truths that we have to accept and we're able to question them, but we have to accept them. Correct. We can question them. We may get an answer. I've yet to know anybody that's really, really gotten an answer. Like the, like, you know, like what we kind of talked about was it last week where we talked about that divine intervention. Right. Um, rarely have i ever met someone and even then their answer is nine times out of ten is not good enough for me it's not that it was wrong or it wasn't divine intervention it's just like that was something that happened to you but that's never happened to me but so we're talking about the biases that we had but now when those questions are asked i think a lot of people are able to those people that are not believers you can sit there and you can say, well, you know, like, I can still make great decisions every single day. I can still choose uh, what I do. and That's what all I great, but do. How do, what do you do about suffering? Right. Well, and that's what I'm going to say is that it's like, so you don't necessarily need a God for your atheism, but you have to acknowledge your biases from the standpoint of you think that the world, and not, and I don't want to say you think, because that's, it's going to, uh, distance me between my audience (laughs) that's what i tell my students all the time that there is this thought that's out there that again and we've talked about this in a couple prior weeks where those 
every single person that lives in a Western society benefits from a Christian ethical model. Our laws, our rules are based on the fact that the Catholic Church dominated the world. They got to decide what was okay, what was not okay. The Catholic Church was the one that decided that for a long period of time, and so therefore we've trickled down to whatever we have now. That's why when people get upset about the changing of laws in the U.S. Constitution, and they say these are Christian laws, even though it's not necessarily this Christian land or whatever, those laws were originally founded in these laws that they drew from church it, it these ideas that are being preached are from the church and so you have to sit there and say that even so you can sit there anybody that's a part of this this other than this atheist group or or whatever they can sit there and say i don't believe in god but yet they benefit every single day from and are have learned how to be who they are because of a Christian ethical model. You have learned how to not kill people from like I know that seems bizarre. Like it's it's almost it's hard for people to wrap their brains around. But actually where I learned this story or how I know this from is not actually from anybody in the church. It's actually and if you listen to our first podcast, it's actually from my grandfather who's a progressive agnostic. And agnostic means that I don't know what's out there. I don't know if there's a God or whatever. I know that something's out there, though. Right. Because and I can't explain this. I right? can't really explain. And frankly, I find the question meaningless. Right. And so from him, he talked about the fact that this is a Christian ethical model. I cannot deny the fact that I don't give in to my selfish desires because of the laws that are actually in place and because of the morals that people have been taught. But those morals are only coming from this particular ethical model that I have grown up in and have socially accepted. And so through that process, you can sit there and deny God and say, we are the superior beings. But ultimately, you weren't, you weren't able to get there without him. Right. You weren't. That's what happened in the flood. Like that's like if we go back through and we continue to look at this restorative process is the world has actually gotten better as much as you may think that it's gotten worse. It has gotten better because of these people that have done really shitty things. Please, again. Adolf Hitler was a supposed Christian, right? Like it was this perfect world that he was going to create. Uh, he wasn't. He was a polytheist who used Christianity to some of his purposes. Right. But. And then you have, you know, you have the Crusades, which we talked about earlier. Like, you know. Crusades, that was a Christian endeavor for sure. Right. And again, uh, please don't, for those of you playing at home, we don't say that that's a Catholic endeavor. No. It was a Christian endeavor. It was a Christian endeavor. That was the church at the time. Manifest destiny. Christian endeavor. Uh, Luther, Luther had, had to, by his own, Luther had minor differences with the church by his own definition. He didn't want to end the Catholic church. He wanted the Catholic church to reform. Right. He didn't want to do away. He didn't, he, he 
actually did not like the fracture of the church. No, he, and, he wanted nothing to do nothing with the fracture of the, the fracture, church. Fra- fracturing of the church and Protestantism, Protestantism as it came about. So, uh, no, this is a uh, ecumenical podcast for sure. Um, but, but so there's something to be said about the fact that you that there are those that align themselves with the atheist faith that have the freedom to sit there and question God and his and this suffering because but yet they live in a world where they feel like they can be free of God. They feel like they are free of him. We have the tools and the ability by ourselves to be able to be who we are. Um, we never needed this. We never wanted this. But again, you benefit from him. Nobody comes in and steals your property. Nobody comes in and claim, like, just takes claim to your to your wife and home you know like right these are things that like go look at those stories of and and if you i i mean props props to anybody here that believes that much in humanity that they could have done this without direction from a deity like in general like a deity in general like if you don't think that there is some higher power that's pulling it and that's also why we highly recommend that you read mere Christianity because this is one of the things that right. it tackles in like the first 50 pages. So, Yeah, and I think, you know, the atheists out there, um, you know, they have, they have answers to that. I, I would say uh, uh, Brett Weinstein is someone that I very, very much respect for the writings he does in his podcast. He's very – he's really thoughtful – um, he's kind of, he's a, um, he, he thinks counter to the culture, um, particularly within science, which scratches my itch, but he's, he's a evolutionary scientist. And so he would say that, you know, man would evolve over time. And that's just, you know, we would come to understand those rules over time because man evolves and we start figuring out rules that are best for, um, what's best for man. I, I don't, I don't ascribe to that. Um, I think I'm going to be, I'm going to go a little off. I'm going to be a little, <laughs> my criticism is going to be a little different and hopefully people are at the one hour and 15 mark still listening to this. And if you are, and you're not, you're still listening and you're not buying any of the poop we're selling, then, Thank you for listening still. Um, and send in your ang- angry comments of what I'm about to <laughs> That's say. That's really what it is. Um, my problem with the secular atheist view is it breaks everything down to the natural world and a natural world that man's supposed to be solving. And if you look at suffering as a problem that man is supposed to solve and there's admittedly there's uh there's a bit of overlap between the christian world because the christian world does also believes we're supposed to bring the kingdom of god here on earth and so there's some suffering we're supposed to be solving but if you if you believe that 
suffering is a problem to be solved and not from a Christian viewpoint or a, from a viewpoint that there's a God, then I think it leads you to some really... One, it devolves everyone into something that's got to be solved either individually or as a group by experts, by doctors, by therapists. Everything is to be solved. It's, it's, we've got to fix these things. Right? No, yeah, I think. Well, and-, and then we just become one – That kind of, going back to what we're, one of the topics we talked about, we start surrendering our own agency, our own sovereignty, and we are individuals created by God. We're to be treated as individuals. We're not just a white person who represents all white people or a black person who represents all black people or uh Whatever, we're not, we don't, I don't subscribe to the view that we represent our group. Um, but we become, we become things we have to solve. And I think that's, that's a problem just in general, because then we're continually trying to fix things that might not be fixable, because science still can't fix them, or it's an ongoing process. And... How does that make someone feel good? Or worse, when society starts getting together and says, we need to fix these problems that we have, and it leads to things like eugenics and euthanasia, because someone says, I'm a problem, and I don't want to live anymore because I have a problem. And I am a problem, so I'm going to end my life at 21 because I have no hope. And look, uh, I have no idea what Andy from Shawshank Redemption. I don't. The movie doesn't really say whether or not he believes in God. Maybe he's an atheist and he's got hope, but I don't think atheism provides people hope. And I think the message of Jesus Christ does. And so Christianity doesn't solve suffering, but it provides an opportunity to become a better person, whether it's suffering we bring upon ourselves or suffering we bring on other people or we see suffering that people are going through. It allows us to become a better person. And I don't understand. I guess if you're sitting at home and you're listening to this and you're saying, yeah, I can, I'm just, I'm going to be a better person because I believe I should be a better person. So I'll just become a better person. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I think that what's really important, again, in kind of what you said, is we talk about that, that idea of. <sighs> Sorry. Bless you. Thank you. And that we view ourselves as these things that can be fixed, um, that can be modified and, and changed. And, and there's things that science can currently not fix. I think, I think personally, when you brought that up is I think about some of the, the things that I've had to go through, 
um, uh, with, uh, you know, struggling with mental illness and that kind of stuff and, and, um, and anxiety and thinking that there's something wrong with me. And, and the reason why I say that and saying that thinking that there's something wrong with me is that, um, for those that knew me all the way up until I was, I had my first issue when I was 24 I had a completely different world that I was living in and so I'm able to see night and day differences in my own head of what is different from when I was zero all the way to 24 and then all of a sudden at 24 all of a sudden I have thoughts that cannot leave my head you know like I'm able to see those occur and then you know there's no quick fix, right? right? You can take your antidepressants. You can take your anti-anxiety meds. That's, but, that's, look, I'm not – we'll but, do this. Pastors are now gotten really good at this. We're not telling people that drugs don't work. Oh, absolutely not, no. But I'm also going to say, can, I, can we have – this is going to be an ongoing theme in this podcast. Can we have two seemingly incongruous thoughts at the same time? People need to be able to take meds when it's appropriate, and we are also – way medicating people in this country in the united states not in the western world the amount of psychotropic drugs the united states takes pales just put dwarfs the whole rest of the world it's insane we are we are drugging ourselves and it's not solving our problems right it's not hitting the right people it's not going to the right people it's going to people who don't need that as therapy right there's... Or they need both and less or whatever. But it is insane. And stop giving it to teenagers, particularly teenage boys. We're going to wake up 50 years from now and find out teenage boys are going around sh- and young, uh, young males are shooting people up because they were doped up on psychotropic drugs and it messed their brains. So told, sorry, total side rant. No, you can go on that side rant because, I mean, I have that whole thing. There's a... <laughs> If uh, any of you guys ever want to, um, again, you probably don't want to, but there's a phenomenal TED Talk out there. It's actually one of the most viewed TED Talks of all time. Um, And it talks about uh, the educational system and it talks about, um, you know, uh, what are these paradigms in education? And one of the things that the guy who leads the TED Talk, he talks about... um, that the ADHD epidemic is a false epidemic um, and that there are serious side effects to um, kids that are constantly being stimulated all the time. And, and it's even more ridiculous now than when he gave that TED Talk. Right. That TED Talk was given like 15 years ago. It is crazier now because you are having kids that are constantly stimulated yeah, all the time. Yeah, we went from cocaine to crack. Yeah. And now – and then you to put mess. them in a classroom – and this is just some of the, the – and for those of you that are listening, this is some of the strategies that the teachers are now having to deal with is we have gone from a – we are putting kids – no wonder they're bored with education. They're being taken out of a room or a, a, a world that they live in that is constantly being stimulated to now having to sit in a classroom and listen to a teacher talk to them for an hour and a half at a time. Right. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Oh my goodness. YouTube videos, most of them are only like 
seven minutes long. I mean, me and uh, this app, this podcast is now an hour and twenty six. I was like, <laughs> nobody over the age of forty is listening to no. this at this point. <laughs> everyone under everyone under thirty, I I know, said when you, when we were doing this podcast, keep it to forty five minutes, keep it ah, whatever, and whatever is is also good, but it's so that I completely agree with what you said. I think that one. I think that there was a stigma for a long time that that you have to be strong without drugs. You have like there's and and people view that if they take drugs there's a weakness and I had right. to struggle with that myself. Right. And I mean like I have no problem saying on this podcast like, you know, like I I take anxiety meds. Like there are things that I have to do to keep my body at equilibrium and people need people-, people need that stuff, right? Again, we're we're able to have two competing thoughts in our heads. I have two very close people to me in my life, and they both take very minor amounts of drugs to keep them LSD. Gotcha. At, at equilibrium. So, yes, and I think that. But we can also say we can also say that that people that the, for the majority of the United States, we have a culture problem. But we just have a take a pill problem. Does you have right. this? Take a pill. Exactly. You have this? Take a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill. Take a pill. I mean, for some of you out there, check yourself on how many, how much ibuprofen you're taking a day. Right. Like, do you really need to take that ibuprofen? Or, I mean, like, that was always, like, the thing is, like, just because you skipped your coffee for the day, you got to take your ibuprofen? Or you woke up with a hangover, you got to take your ibuprofen? How about this? Let's not drink a crap ton the night before and not need to take our ibuprofen well, the next day. You know, who hasn't hey, listen, I mean like goodies head. Uh, I usually I usually tu- I usually tough it out, but I'm not past the age of thirty yet, so my hangovers apparently haven't been their worst. Goodies head powder is amazing. <laughs> all, right, all right, now we're now we're starting to lose. All right, we're in the weeds. Now okay. we're now we now we've lost the Christians because we were talking about uh hangovers. Uh all right. Um Yeah, I think I think that what's important, though, in all of this is you need to sit there and you need to to just look at, again, what you were talking about before and what we're going to be talking about next week is what is what is this message of the Bible? Are, are we looking for these answers? No. Like, those aren't the answers that the Bible is looking to answer. We talked about before that the Bible is a culmination of several different texts, different text types, different genres. All of that is completely true. Right. But there is a common message that is trying to be presented throughout all of Scripture. And it's trying to be presented to you. And it is the ultimate revelation of who God is and how he wants to have a relationship with us. Yep. And so these are the rules in the world that we live in. And yes— you are going to have to accept that evil exists in this world. God doesn't want it there, but it exists. And that is extremely hard for people to understand. And if that is something that you are struggling with, again, take some time and figure that out for yourself. Or find someone to talk to. Find somebody to talk Send to. us a note. Maybe we'll start a conversation over the internet. Absolutely. And again, and and this can cycle back to that original question of, or of just that original thing of God is maybe not as all-powerful as he is, or 
he's not good because he allows these evil things to happen again we say that the the desire for free will and that relationship with you is so much more important to him and to us and we don't often see how much of a benefit it is for us to be able to have that relationship with Jesus and with God that is that much more important than eliminating evil from the world the ability that you have to be not be a zombie and be brainless and to do whatever we want is that much more important to him than taking that out of the world um and that's the that's the view that i have and i mean like i don't know if that's something that you have but also something no, absolutely and and jesus and again throughout all of this and what's important is throughout all five of these weeks that we've talked about reasons why people are leaving the faith we get back to what is the message of the bible and the bible is ultimately about that relationship that god has with us and it's this message of jesus christ and his death and his resurrection and there are going to have to be things that you are going to have to accept yeah and we talked about this i think every week Mm -hmm. we talked about there are things that you are just going to have to accept and be like yeah I believe in this supernatural thing that's this outside of the thing, realm of science. It happened. 100%. I'm going to have to this believe. This wasn't a guru. Right, exactly. This is this is the situation where He's it's like. Son, he was the son of man. He walked on the earth. He died for he our sins. He died on our, for our sins. He rose three days later. He spent. Was it 60 days on the earth with those who saw him before he died? They witnessed him after he rose, and we are all now called to live like him. And what does that mean? That means to turn the other cheek. That means to love people who we don't want to love. That's the big one. Right. Um, right. That means to, if you can't stand homelessness, that means you're called sometimes to feed a homeless guy. That means to step outside of who we normally are without Jesus and that relationship we have have with him telling us, you need to do this. I don't think there's any better way to say it. Is that it? Sorry for the long podcast, guys, gals. Uh, we don't ever set time on this. We just kind of let it go. Uh, never want to. Um Try to be respectful of your time, um, but I think this was a good discussion. Hopefully, we answered well. We answered what we think is the unanswerable question, um, and gave everybody some food for thought, both as believers and those of you who are maybe struggling um, with this Christian thing, or you're just someone who's an atheist or an agnostic, and you just find it interesting because maybe you have family members who are Christian, or I don't know, whatever. You're just the internet is a great place to learn things and maybe you've stumbled across across this podcast. So to that point, if you're still listening to the two of us deep into this podcast and you're listening six episodes in of what we hope is a uh, 
many more episodes. I have to assume you're finding something edifying or interesting. Do us a favor. Go to your favorite pod, podcast app of choice and rate us, review us, uh, so other people can find the Go to Hell podcast show. Questions, comments, constructive thought, thoughtful criticism, thoughtful, wow, we're two beers in, and thoughtful criticism is welcome. And here's the thing, though. If you agree, if you, uh, sorry, if you disagree or despise this podcast, we still ask that you leave a comment. Tell us. Just tell us to go to hell.